Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Torah Dimecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Shoshana Shechter, and today we will be studying Parshat Vayechi. Wow, cannot believe we are at Parshat Vayechi. This has been so wonderful learning together through Sefer Breshit. Vayechi, we're coming really to the end of, of the story of Sefer Breshit. Uh, Bayechi begins with the end of Perak Mem Zayin, um, where we're told that Yaakov's days are coming to an end, that he lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years. He was 147 years old at this point. He asked Yosef to swear not to bury him in, in Mitzrayim, but to transport his body out of Mitzrayim to be buried with his father and his grandfather in Eretz Canaan in Marat Machpelah, and Yosef promises that. Then the beginning of then Perak Mem Chet, Yosef meets his grandchildren, Ephraim and Menashe, Yosef's children, and he blesses them, the famous bracha of, of Hamalach HaGoel, which we'll discuss in a few minutes. Then comes Memtet, um, just a note actually about Memchet, that Yaakov is the only person that we see in Breshi that actually connects with his grandchildren. We don't see Avram connecting with his grandchildren or Yitzchak connecting with his grandchildren, but here we see Yaakov connecting to his grandchildren. We'll come back to that point. Um, Perak Memtet, Yaakov blesses his sons, and he assigns each son um, to each one to his role as a shevet, as a whole tribe. Um, for example, Yehuda, he says, will produce leaders and kings. Levi will produce Kohanim, priests, Yisachar, scholars, Zvulon, merchants, Shimon, teachers, God, soldiers, Dan, judges, etc. Um, each one is interesting, but that would be in its own cheer in and of itself. He rebukes some, some of the kids, some of the sons, like Shimon and Levi and Reuven. And then Yaakov dies at the very end of Perak Memtet. And then comes Perak Nun where Yaakov is embalmed and has a large funeral in Egypt. And he is, uh, he's not buried in Egypt. He is accompanied by the Egyptians to Eretz Canaan. He's buried there in Eretz Canaan in Marat Machpelah with his fathers. Um, his brothers again, uh, Yosef's brothers again, after Yaakov dies, say how bad they feel about everything that they did to Yosef and to their father and express uh, Yaakov's desire that Yosef would forgive them. And again, Yosef again explains that it was all Hashem, everything we spoke about in Parsha Vayigash, last week's Parsha. You know, Yosef responds in Perak Nun, Pasuk Ted, he said, Al Tirao, don't be afraid, because again, now they're, maybe the brothers are afraid because now that Yaakov died, maybe Yosef will take uh, revenge on them and now he'll act you know badly towards them he was only nice to them because their father was alive and Yosef's response is again just like in Vayigash don't be afraid am I instead of Hashem you thought to do bad to me but in Hashem's mind it was for good Hashem made this all happen there was it was Hashem doing all this you know Hashem set everything here in motion to make allow everyone to live. So this was Hashem's plan. And he again expresses that, which he expressed in Vayigash. Um, finally, at the end of the Parsha, Yosef also dies in Egypt. 
um, at the age of 110, and he instructs that his bones, his family, that his bones be taken out of Egypt and buried in Eretz Israel. He does not want to be buried in Mitzrayim. Um, he wants his bones, well, he knows he's going to be buried in Eretz Mitzrayim, actually, but his bones are going to be taken out. This doesn't happen until later on, many years later, when Bnei Israel leave Mitzrayim. That's when they leave with Atzmot Yosef, with the bones of Yosef. Um, one last significant point in the parsha: before he dies, he promises Bnei Israel that Hashem will surely remember them and bring them out of the lands of Mitzrayim to the land that Hashem promised Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And that's how it ends. He says, He promises them at the very end of the parsha: don't worry, you're not going to remain here forever. You will eventually leave and Hashem will take you out and he'll bring you into Eretz Canaan. And that's how the Parsha and the Sefer end. Okay, two points that I want to talk about in this Parsha. And I'm, I'm sorry in advance if I go a little bit over today, but it's our last Parsha in the Sefer. Um, so first of all, I'm going to raise the question that I raised back in Parsha Chai Sarah, which is, why is this Parsha called Vayichi? And he lived when there, the main event that happens is the death of Yaakov, um, and everything surrounds the death of Yaakov in this week's parsha. And yet, it's called Vayechi, and he lived. And we're going to answer similar, like what we answered in in Chayesara, which is that this is all about Yaakov's legacy, and that's what I want to talk to you about now. What is it about Yaakov's legacy that is so prominent in this week's parsha and in the end of Sefer Breshi? Now, I I feel like I can't discuss the parsha. And without discussing something about Yaakov's bracha to Ephraim and Menashe, because it's so famous, Hamalach HaGoel Otimikora. So basically, um, you have to understand that he is talking to his grandchildren who were born and bred in Golos. They're the only children, they're the first children, the first members of Bnei Israel. Again, they're not Bnei Israel yet. They're literally, you know, the children of Yaakov and the grandchildren are ya- of Yaakov. But they're the first sons, the first children that are born in Galut and they're going to spend their entire um, their entire lives in Galut. And what he says to them is, he is, he says, may the angel who redeems me from evil bless these children and may my name be declared upon them and the names of my forefathers, Avram and Yitzchak, and may they proliferate abundantly like fish within the lands. That's the bracha of Hamalach HaGoel. And what exactly is the bracha that he's giving them? He's referencing definitely the grandparents. And like I referenced before, Yaakov is the first one of the Avot that we see actually connects with his grandchildren. In fact, Rabbi Salvechik has a beautiful article referring to Yaakov as the first Jewish grandfather because he's the first one that we see in Tanakh in the, in the Chumash that actually connects with his grandchildren, not just his children. And I just want to point out one nice idea. So he's showing that there's a connection here, that there's a Masora, and that's why he references um, B'Shem Avotai Avraham Yitzchak. He's passing on to his grandchildren, the ones that are going to be born and bred in Galut. And one nice idea that I heard from someone years ago, from someone named Shlomo Kimchi, years ago talked about um, he's blessing that they should proliferate, that they should um, um, multiply throughout the lands. Why the word biyidzgu? Why like fish? Why is it like dag? And um, he explains the following. He says, you know, maybe what makes a fish kosher is fins and scales. And 
why does a fish biologically, physiologically need fins and scales? Well, maybe because it helps, not maybe, because it helps them swim. It helps them swim against the current. It helps them be strong swimmers. So maybe Yaakov's bracha to his grandchildren, knowing that these are children that are going to be born and live their entire lives in Galut, that the bracha is, you should be strong like fish, like kosher fish. You have to be able to strengthen those fins and scales because you're going to need that in order to swim against the current. If you want to retain your identity, you're going to have to strengthen those fins and scales like fish, like kosher fish, in order to be able to swim against the currents and maintain your identity as Jews, which we know is so important when you live in Gullus. The last point that I want to talk about and bring, bring Sefer Breshi to a close with is that at the end of his life, Yaakov Avinu blesses each one of his sons, and that's the main point of Parshat Vayechi here. And what he does is he focuses on each one's individual strengths and weaknesses. And then when he finishes, the Pasuk tells us, Kol Eila Shivte Yisrael, all of these Shvatim, and notice this is the first time it's called, they're called Shvatim, they're not just the children of Yaakov, they're going, they're transitioning from B'nai Yaakov into Shivte Yisrael, into B'nai Yisrael, and not literally B'nai Yisrael, but you know, Shivtei Yisrael, the tribes of Israel. It says, Kol Ela Shivtei Yisrael, Shnei Masar, there are 12 of them, Vizot Asher Jiber Lahem Avihem, Vayvarechotam Ish Asher Kivirchato Berachotam. That all these are the tribes of Israel, 12, and this is what their father spoke to them, and he blessed them. So, and then it says, he blessed each according to his appropriate blessing. So this Pasuk seems grammatically incorrect. It also seems redundant, by the way. What do you mean each according to his blessing, he blessed them? Why do you need to repeat that he blessed them? And what do you mean it doesn't grammatically make sense? Each according to his blessing, he blessed them. So the his and the them, there's not that agreement over there with the pronouns. Did he bless each individually or did he bless them collectively? So this is, I think, the a very important message that we're ending the, the, the Parsha and the Sefer with. That in Vayigash, after Yosef revealed himself to his brothers, he told them to return to Canaan and to bring Yaakov down to Egypt. Yosef sent wagons with them to bring to Yaakov. Um, so when the brothers returned, the, Yaakov would believe that what they're saying is true. Because think about it, the brothers return, they tell Yaakov that Yosef is alive and he's a leader in Egypt and Yaakov wouldn't believe them. But, and then, and the Mepharshim say he didn't believe them until he saw the wagons that Yosef sent. So why these wagons? So many Mepharshim talk about the wagons, um, that they were a sign of the last thing that Yaakov and Yosef had learned together. So one Medrash explains that the topic that they learned together was Eglos Hanesim, the wagons of the princes of Bnei Israel that the princes donated on the day of Chanukah HaMishkan, on the day of the dedication of the Mishkan. And those wagons were used to transport the Kalim of the Mishkan. When Yaakov saw the wagons, he understood that Yosef was alluding to the last topic that they learned together, and therefore he knew that that was a sign that Yosef was alive. So why the wagons? What was the significance of the wagons? In, in addition to the fact that it was a lesson they learned together, but why that thing? So some of Farshim explained that the wagons symbolize the two distinct roles that man has in this world. One, on one hand, man is obligated to have an attitude that the world was created for me, and to strengthen his and her own individuality, develop her own uniqueness and her own potential, while on the other hand, one is obligated to be part of a greater community and push oneself aside sometimes for the greater community. 
The wagons of the Nisim represent that idea. It was one wagon for every two princes and an ox for each one. If you go to Bamidbar, Perik Zion, Pasuk Gimel, you can look it up. Don't take my word for it, ever. Egla al shnei Nisim v'sharachad. That there was each of the Nisim, each of the princes had to donate, had to donate one ox, but there was one wagon per two princes for Tunisium. So Sepharno explains what, you know, with this idea that the wagons were an indication of the connection and the brotherhood that existed between the Nisim. That each prince, each Nasi had to offer his own personal ox as his own individual karban. But at the same time, the wagons were brought together in unison to show that they all had the same objective in mind. They all had the same objective to do avodas Hashem, to serve Hashem, and to help the Klal serve Hashem, to help Bnei Israel serve Hashem. So the wagons symbolized the, 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 the ox, the oxen individualized the individualism and the wagons symbolized the communal connection between them. So when Yosef sent the wagons to his father, it symbolized that he remembered the lessons of the wagons and the lessons of the Nisim that he had learned with his father years ago. Just as there was a sense of unity between the princes while each one retained his own individuality, so too Yosef was able to rise up individually all these years, but still retain and feel love towards his brothers, towards B'nai Yaakov. And that was an important message that Yaakov needed to hear because it could be that his sense of connection with the community, with his, with his siblings, with his family would have been lost all those years that he was growing individually in Mitzrayim. And I think that this is the message, this is what Yaakov understood, that Yaakov's brachos to his children reinforced to each one of his sons that they had a responsibility to utilize their own individual strengths and talents individually, but also utilize them for the benefit of the klal, of the klal for klal Yisrael. On the one hand, it was ish asher kevir chato. Each one received his own personal bracha. And on the other hand, the goal was berach otam, for them to realize that their personal brachot had to be utilized for the sake of the entire generation. So it wasn't a grammatical mistake. Yes, it's individual, but it's also the community. And the reason that I think this is so crucial here, such an essential theme of this parsha, is because parsha vayigash marks the end of an era. And transitioning into Vayachi, Yaakov Avinu's children are transitioning now to Bnei Yaakov, um, from Bnei Yaakov to Bnei Israel, from a family into a nation. And if you look through, we've been discussing Sefer Breshit for these past bunch of weeks. Breshit is all about the individuals. We're now transitioning into Sefer Shmot, which is all about the Klal. That transition requires the contribution and investment of every one of its members. And it's the individuals of Breshit that form the Klal, the Bnei Israel of Sefer Shmot. As we discussed weeks ago, when Hashem promised Avraham back in Lechacha that your children are going to be like the stars in the sand, if you remember, and I'll mention it again if we don't remember, we talked about how this, why do we need the stars and the sand metaphor? If, if Hashem, and what exactly is the bracha that Hashem is making to, to Avraham? Is he saying that you're just going to have so many kids. Well, there are not so many Jews in the world. So why the stars and the sands? Well, maybe because what makes sand great 
is the billions and billions of grains of sand, the community that billions of grains of sand creates. And what makes a star great is individually, each star is individually great. So maybe as we discussed back in Lech Lecha, the promise of Hashem to Avraham was that your children are going to be great individuals, but also a great community, great individuals like the stars, but also a great community like the sand. Because, and that's a chiddish, that's a challenge. Because sometimes if you have a very strong community, you lose your sense of individuality. And sometimes if you have a very strong, um, if you have very strong individuals, you lose your sense of community. So Hashem's bracha to Avraham perhaps was that you're going to be a strong, strong individuals, but also a strong community without losing that sense of individuality. And that investment, that investment of the individual growth and the investment in the community is a challenge that's true for each one of us to this day. That started with the bracha of Hashem to Avram, that continued through the Sefer Breshit, and it's going to continue through the continuation of Shemot, and the and the birth of Am Yisrael uh, from the individuals of Breshit. And I, my bracha to everybody is, may we continue to strengthen ourselves and tap into our God-given kochot to reach our individual potentials, while at the same time contributing to the community, both Klal Yisrael and to the world at large. And this, I believe, is Yaakov's legacy. This is why this parsha is called Parsha Vayechi, and he lived. Because ultimately, even though he died, this is the legacy that he passed on to his children, to us, to Klal Yisrael. It's been a total pleasure learning Sefer Breshi with all of you. Thank you for learning together again with the OU Women's Initiative. And I look forward to learning together again in the future. Please be in touch. Feel free to reach out. Kol Tov and Machatzlacha. Shabbat Shalom.